Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ronan Levy, and welcome to this special best of episode of Field Tripping. We compiled some highlight quotes from recent past episodes for you to relive and enjoy. We're off next week so we can relax and recharge over the holidays. Come back again next week for our regularly scheduled episode with Julian Uzielli on January 4th. But for now, please sit back and tune in. Here's a clip from Zappy Zappelin, Psychedelic Concierge to the Stars. That's all we're doing is just scan for danger, scan for danger. And so you become that and you're just scanning for danger. And the psychedelics realign you and bring you into a place within yourself. And this is where I consider spirituality is when you get to a point within yourself where you are no longer looking at things through the human filter. And and that's the problem is we human filter everything. So when you can take something like ketamine and you can get beyond the human filter, now you're able to, you know, really connect to what I would call source to connect to yourself. And the beautiful part is when you come out of it, you're, you're resonating. It's almost like this ketamine is this incredible frequency that, you know, Timothy Leary in his paper, the eight areas of the brain, he said, the way you unlock the eighth area of your brain, the one that turns on your supercomputer, the, the tell, you know, the, the expanded satellite that you can take all this information is using ketamine. And so I just think that we are limited with our human filter and that if you can disconnect from that and get back to your own frequency of vibration, that's spirit. You don't have to think it's not necessarily outside of you. It's not, you know, some guy up in a cloud. It's that you reconnect to that source. And, you know, that's what I consider to be spirituality. So you don't even really need to, you know, believe in God necessarily to have a spiritual experience. You can just go inside yourself, your own frequency and have that experience. Uh, And to me, that's what spirituality is about. And, you know, science is so limited that, you know, we all know that, you know, we keep finding things, you know, we didn't know there were bacteria and then we didn't know there were atoms and then they find quarks and it just, it goes on forever. So it's like, if, if you're going to try and science your way out of this thing, forget it. You're going to have to use the technology of psychedelics, of plant medicine, these things that are going to allow you and your incredible, miraculous machine to tap into that spiritual place. Next is Dr. Andrew Weil, integrative medicine MD and leader of the War on Drugs movement. It seems to me that the great mistake that was made in the early days uh, was that many people doing this kind of research and work did not realize how important set and setting are, that the magic is not in the substance. Uh, it's the substance in the right context, right expectations, right environment. And that's one of the things that led to problems with early research on LSD, especially that, you know, the first people that were doing this got great results and reported them. And, and they were people who really knew from their own experience what, what this was all about. And then other people tried to reproduce that and couldn't because they were just thinking that the magic was all in the substance and they just had to give that to people and would get you know, these wonderful outcomes. And it doesn't work that way. So that's the first, you know, is like you cannot overemphasize the importance of 
the importance of set and setting of context uh, and and how to use that to shape the experience uh, and the other another thing is that I think that caused problems way back then is that um, many of the people who were most enthusiastic about uh, psychedelics in the early days were not sensitive to the to how a lot the um, the mass culture would react to all this uh you know that they, they they just were not aware of how threatening it could mm-hmm. be um and they and then went about in a very cavalier manner of saying this is going to change the world and how wonderful it is and uh, you know it made a lot of people very nervous yeah. do you think the world is different now do you think we have enough insight from the first go round uh, we have enough wisdom from people like yourself uh, and and many of the other uh, forefathers and foremothers of, of what's happening right now to avoid a lot of those mistakes are, are you hopeful that uh, we're, we're on the right path and, and, and won't divert I am I am hopeful I, I think first of all the need for change is so great uh, secondly is that uh, the the interest in the general culture is so great and very positive. Um, so yeah, I think that potential is there. You know, if you look at the at cannabis, um, cannabis was a scary drug for the for mainstream culture because of its associations. It was associated with deviant yeah. subcultures. You know, first with uh, you know uh, black jazz musicians and Mexican migrant laborers, and then with hippies and radicals and a lot of the way the mainstream culture has reacted to cannabis is really to those, it, they were reacting to those associations more than to the substance. And that still hasn't completely gone away. Psychedelics have not had that, you know, uh, those associations. And if anything, now there's a lot of positive associations with indigenous cultures, with mystical experience, with so forth. Uh, so I think psychedelics are in a better position to be accepted now. Um, and, uh, with all the evidence accumulating about their therapeutic benefit, especially for mental health conditions that we can't manage yeah. very well and that are becoming, you know, a great burden for our society. I think that has, they have a lot going for right. them now. So as long as, as people are take minimal, you know, basic precautions and proceed in a, you know, in a, in a careful fashion, I think there's tremendous potential for these being integrated into our culture in a very good way. Next is Robin Williams' son, Zach, a mental health advocate and founder of his company, PIM. Well, my journey with mental health started as a child. Uh, I, I had OCD as a kid, um, something that contributed to insomnia and uh, was a bit of a forcing mechanism around me finding opportunities to relieve that obsessive thinking and the anxiety associated with it through my teens and adolescence. Um, from an early age, I discovered self-medication, specifically using things like alcohol to manage that anxiety. Uh, and, uh, throughout my twenties, um, I kind of grew out of the OCD thing, but really found myself being more and more anxious and, uh, and reaching bouts of depression. All this came to a head after my dad died by suicide. Yeah. I found myself experiencing uh, the detrimental effects of alcohol abuse and alcoholism manifesting in a progressive manner. Um, 
meaning it was there and managed to really rear you know more of its ugly head through my being diagnosed with PTSD, finding myself self-medicating in ma- in a major way using alcohol and having nothing really get better for me personally. Um, through that experience, I realized a couple of things. One is I could support uh, the underlying stress, anxiety, and bouts of depression through a commitment to service. Specifically, mental health advocacy was something I discovered was really helpful for me. And then coinciding with that, I realized that if I actually took alcohol out of the equation, I was still stressed and anxious and kind of not feeling great and uh, actually discovered alternative ways to manage my well-being, applying a mental health hygiene ritual to manage one's well-being. Um, Through that journey, I started learning about other protocols and became a supporter of psychedelics and, uh, and developed an understanding that there is a mosaic of mental health supporting compounds, experiences, exercises, that can be applied to provide precision solutions for an individual. So my journey around having mental health dysregulation, anxiety, depression, addiction as part of that uh, led me to becoming an advocate, not only for mental health, but for precision oriented solutions. Now we have Duran Young, LCSW and founder of Black Therapists Rock. I did a lot of research from the Eastern perspective on how they view uh, birthing and labor, um, as we call it in the West. We call it in the West labor. In the uh, in the East, I think they call it more of service, transition, um, tradition. You know, there's a lot of other uh, concepts that go along with birth, the birthing process in the right. East uh, philosophy. So I will say that um, one of the things that was really helpful to me that that kind of mirrored the, the balance of the two worlds is something called the fourth trimester. And it says that, you know, we as humans, we're coming from a very connected and warm and loving and trusting um, place and secure place. We're securely attached in the womb. And when we come out to this world, it is very abrupt. Um, especially the way that we do it here in the West and bright lights, you know, <laughs> sterile environment. Yeah. It's not like a communal um, village kind of um, experience. And so I did a lot of research on the f- fourth trimester and they said that we're supposed to try to uh, recreate the womb experience as much as possible. And I thought about how much privilege it it takes to be able to know something like that here in America yeah. um, as a black woman. You know, so many I was actually you know doing counseling with other black women and women of color while I was in the military pregnant. Um, and I realized that so many of us women, it's, it's a privilege to be able to uh, take care of our bodies or take care of ourselves while we're going through this birthing process. Because the American society says, you're not sick. Nothing's wrong with you. You don't need anything special. Soldier on, you know, kind of. And I actually, you know, broke, my water broke while I was at work. So it's just, you know, the military setting was the perfect place to really learn a lot about how not to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And Africa was a place that really showed me a lot of other options of how I could do it. Um, And knowing that these are two different environments, but how could I blend the two? Um, in a way that worked for me and my family. That's super. So cool. I definitely believe that that's a thing. 
Um, I believe that uh, intergenerational trauma is passed through the womb. Um, I don't know if you've heard that your grandmother was carrying your mom's eggs, you know, at the time of her uh, her birthing process. So, you know, I believe that trauma is definitely passed down. Yeah. I'm three generations removed from slavery. So that's something that's very uh, important for me to think about and talk about a lot. Um, it's kind of the cornerstone of my work. And um, yeah, I think that suffering is a part of reality. And I think that we sometimes have a false dichotomy between reality and consciousness, um, just as we do with science and uh, spiritual spirituality or sacredness. Um, and I think it's time to really blend some of these polarizations that we've we've created as humans um, as a, a, a form of false safety. But, you know, to really be able to say both and to be yeah. able to include all things and see the connectedness in all things. Uh, that's super cool. Up next is Brie Emery, LA-based art director and the founder of the lifestyle blog Design Love Fest. You recently completed our ketamine-assisted therapy uh, program in New York. I have a ton of questions about that. My first question you've already answered, which is you had tried psychedelics before going into our therapy program, but it sounds like only once or twice. Is that correct? Um, I actually... I have more experience with microdosing and I've probably done psychedelics maybe like under 10 times, but I'd never done ketamine. I actually did it, uh, the ketamine in, in Los Angeles, not New York. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a typo here. I was going to do it in New York, but I ended up doing it in LA and yeah. Okay. So I'd never tried ketamine before this experience. Okay. Um, and I would have loved to have asked you this question beforehand, but I'm going to see if we can get some insight into it. How would you have defined yourself before you started the the program? And how do you see yourself after having gone through it? I would say that the biggest shift was before I felt a lot more worry on the back, like behind the scenes. Maybe people close to me could could notice that or know that I'm constantly scanning for danger, sort of thinking ahead, ever always thinking ahead, always, you know, scanning. And that takes a real toll on your body when you're just not living in the moment and you're living in the future so that you can feel safe all of the time. And when you've experienced trauma, that's just something that you're trying to control all of the time is feeling like, you know, what's going to happen. You're, you're in control and, and you're safe. I would say that after doing it, I've experienced a lot less worry and a lot more connection to my intuition, which tells me a much clearer picture of the moment. It's not living in my ego which is constant scanning and it's living more in my soul or in my intuition with okay I recognize you're feeling that way but what if we looked at it like this and so it's put a lot more space around all of my reactions which affects every area of your life how how did how did you get there there were definitely a lot of metaphors and abstract visions that I saw that let's see if I can try to explain, but it would be like what, like I felt like it was sort of like 
riding on a drone. The experience was like so zoomed. It would zoom all the way out and then zoom so far in. It was basically in the cells of my own body. So it was zooming out and zooming in at the slowest pace possible. So nothing ever felt overwhelming, but it widened my perspective so that when I am getting overwhelmed or I am feeling triggered, I can remember to even look wider, you know, like a, take this like somatic approach of like, how can I calm down my body and widen my perspective here? Because I'm, I'm experiencing tunnel vision right now and it's causing my body to react a certain way. So it was not only showing me visuals that sort of exemplified that, but it would also show my body such peace and such ease that it was almost whispering to me, like, you could feel like this all the time. You know, you could come back to this place behind your eyes, like, because it's very similar to like a very deep meditation. So it really was letting me know, like, you can always come back here, like at any point. And it was showing me that in the most fantastic visual way, but it's hard, very hard to, to explain. But it, that's the feeling that I, I kept receiving over and over. I also experienced during my fourth session, I went a little bit deeper and I decided to lay down. And this was, I was able to move around and do more release in my body. And so when I was coming back, like out off of the medicine, my legs started like involuntarily shaking a lot. Okay. And I could hear in my mind, it was kind of saying like, this is good. You're unwinding. And it kind of was showing me this spiral motion of like, just unwind it, like let it all out. All this tension that's been built up that we don't even really know how to access that we can access through our subconscious. It was like releasing like a primal release of stress. Cause you know, they say like animals, like after they're going to be attacked, they like their whole body will shake and then they're not stressed anymore. Like they removed it. So it was almost like it was removing it from a body perspective, but it was also helping me with like the mental idea around it. So, you know, simple things like that. (laughs) And here's Dr. Mike Dow, psychotherapist, author, and known for his expertise on VH1's couples therapy. I'm curious to know, you know, through your ketamine experiences or otherwise, have you been able to unpack that and and see beyond the inspiration that clearly your father, who sounds like he was an amazing figure in in this experience, um, brought, you know, how, how did it affect you and how did it change your perspective on the world and how you view yourself? That is a great question. And I will say absolutely 100% it, it, it came up. So it came up in a rather indirect way. Um, and by the way, the other profound experience that I had this year, um, losing my grandfather to COVID, um, that also came up in a, in a recent uh, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy session that I personally had. And I, I think it comes up in a, you know, if talk therapy is using the left hemisphere and logic and how do I make sense of that, right? I feel like that's a very talk therapy way to process trauma. Um, ketamine kind of accesses things in a very different way. I think a more feeling way. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the experiences I had, uh, the ego death and 
feeling at one with all living creatures and knowing not, not a, not a, well, somebody told this to me, so I believe it to be true knowing, but an experiential knowing, uh, that it's really hard to put into words. Um, I, I really got this sense that, oh, our bodies are simply garages for our souls. And I, I had that spiritual experience and I, and I think I also, there are a lot of images and, and, um, metaphors that were very visual. So, you know, the love of a mother and my brother and I, and now my partner and all of the love in the world, um, I could sort of, I was in it and I felt it. And that sort of in this indirect way helped me to come to terms uh, with my trauma and, and how that shaped me and my attachment style um, in, in my family as a child and then later in life in my romantic relation, re- relationships and even my friendships. And then also, you know, I think this is a really sort of more direct example. I had this experience of feeling at one with the universe and I saw these stars and this was just a couple months ago. And I knew in that moment that all the stars were living beings who had passed and that one of the stars was my grandfather. Hmm. And after I was coming out, uh, Dr. Randy, our, our director of consciousness, he said, well, how's he doing? Is he okay? I said, yeah, my grandpa's okay. So isn't it so interesting that that feeling in that one moment was like, oh, that sort of healed and, and helped me to grieve in a way that is so, so different than traditional talk therapy. And again, and, and then of course I could take that to a talk therapy session as you and I are talking about it now, but I think it's a good example to see and to understand how ketamine assisted psychotherapy works in a very, very different, deeper, more experiential way than any other therapy I think we have on the face of the planet. Yeah, uh, that, that totally resonates with me. Now wrapping up with Keith Ferrazzi, entrepreneur and author. Always ask the question, who? We get so much time focused on the strategy, the the objectives, the, you know, how am I going to get there? What do I have to do? Ask the question, who? Who do I need to build relationships with to achieve whatever that goal is? From love to um, changing the world in in human consciousness. Um, Then figure out a systematic way to build those relationships with those people. And you're going to do it through service of them. And then while you're, while you're doing all of that, show up authentically so that it, it further solidifies the loyalty in that relationship. It's kind of it. I mean, there's a lot of tactics in Never Eat Alone and how you build that broad set of relationships. Yeah. There's a lot of tactics in who's got your back and how you build a team that won't let you fail. There's a lot of tactics in leading without authority and how do you work inside of an organization to get things done in networks that don't report to you. In my new book that's going to be coming out competing in the new work world, again, a lot of tactics, but it really, you know, I think the biggest gift I can give everybody is the word of co-elevation. If you imagine that everybody you're in relationship with, your desire and your objective is to find ways to co-elevate, go higher together you'll be a winner. Um, And one last question for anyone who's just starting to think about psychedelics um, or is starting, you know, having had early experiences or even someone who's advanced, you know, is there any takeaway, any piece of advice that you'd give to them as, as they embark on their journey within psychedelics specifically? 
look for somebody who can be your Sherpa, your guide, your journey leader, not specifically through the journey, but I mean, your advisor. Look for somebody whose ethos is somebody that you believe the work has been done on and with them uh, successfully. Find the people who walk in this world with a smoother step, who are the kind of people that you want to be. And trust those individuals to be your guide to where to go. And then the other thing I would say is on a personal basis, there is now enough professional support um, in this industry and in this space that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with uh, people who don't have professional cred in, in their guidance. I would wait for the guidance of professionals in this process. That is great advice. I hope you liked what you just heard or reheard, and maybe it provokes some new thoughts, new feelings, and new actions you may want to take in your life. Remember to please rate and review our podcast if you liked what you just listened to. Also, please reach out to us either via email at fieldtripping at castmedia.com, that's cast with a K, or leave us a voicemail with a how-to question at speakpipe.com slash fieldtripping. Thank you for listening to Field Tripping, a podcast that's dedicated to exploring psychedelic experiences and their ability to affect our lives. I'm your host, Ronan Levy. Until next time, stay curious, breathe properly, and remember, every day is a field trip if you let it be one. Field Tripping is created by Ronan Levy. Our producers are Conrad Page and Harley Roman, and associate producers are Sharon Bella, Alex Sherman, Macy Baker, and Tyler Newbold. <laughs>